I'd like to invite the rest of us to open our copy of God's life-giving word to the book of Revelation. It's going to be easy to find. If you're new to the Bible, super easy to find because it's the very last book, all right? So just open up to the last book of the Bible. We're going to be in chapter 7 this morning, starting in verse 9. Well, uh, I want to welcome and give it up, not only for the kids, all right, but I also want to give it up for uh, all of our new people today. Can we give it up? For anyone that's new to Redemption Hill, uh, as well as especially our, you know, distinguished college students, all right? So if you're a college student, let's give it up for you. We love you. We're glad you're back. Um, you know, it's not just the college students that have new adventures, all right? I know some of you are starting new jobs. You're new to Boston. Um, so, you know, new, I was thinking about this week, new adventures require new grace, right? Like we need grace from God uh, when we start new uh, adventures in life. And so I just know that, that that new grace is available to all of us, including, right, uh, including you, because we can just go to God's throne of grace and, and ask for him and receive his help. Uh, so that's what I want to do to start off. I want to pray for these new adventures. I want to pray for what's going on in our world. I mean, Irma slamming into Florida as we're just in these moments, um, and just ask that God would continue his good work in our church, okay? So let's pray, and then we'll dive into uh, God's word. Father, thank you so much for today. Uh, Lord, as we've, as we've already sang, as we, as we looked at last week, um, Lord, our, our chief desire in life should be that uh, pe- people see you, we see you for uh, just, just how amazing you are, what a, what a good and gracious God you are. And Lord, we're astounded that uh, you're a good father who welcomes us uh, into your presence at any point, that, that you want to hear from us at any time, and that we can ask things from you, and not just in a small way, but we can make huge requests, and you hear us, and you want to you respond according to your will. And so, God, I just pray that as there are many new adventures starting in the life of our church, as I'm very familiar with many of the stories, um, and even some of the new faces and new students that are coming into Boston today, just pray for new grace in these journeys, God, that as, as people step out and as they uh, go into new workplaces, new classrooms, make new friends, uh, hit new challenges, uh, come across new opportunities, Lord, that you would give them new grace in each and every moment. And Father, we, we pray for new grace, new mercy, even for those that are experiencing very difficult moments right now, for those that are continuing uh, to climb out of the aftermath of Harvey. God, we pray for people of Texas, Louisiana, those affected by this uh, huge storm, and then now another one slamming into our country in Florida, Georgia. God, we pray for friends, family, people we don't know there in those areas. God, I know many of our of our own uh, just people that belong to Redemption Hill have friends and family in those areas. So God, would you be gracious to them? Would you protect them? Would you uh, shine your favor on them? Even in the midst of the storm, God, we know you're there and you want to comfort them. Uh, So, Father, we pray that uh, that as we continue on as a church, even as we kind of step into a new adventure, as we talked about last week, and really becoming a a praying people, not just people who pray, but really like in all things, at all times, in any circumstance, God, we could come to you. Lord, set us off on this new adventure as a church with new grace. Help us to be people of prayer. Help us to seek you like never before. Even now as we open these truths in your word, God, we need new grace. We need your light to shine on our minds and into our hearts, God. None of us have arrived. None of us are exactly like Jesus on anything, and particularly today's today's topic. So, Lord, show us how we can change, how we can be more like him how we can love you and love one another in deep and profound ways. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, I uh, caught on, uh, my wife and I don't watch a lot of movies, all right? Don't hate on us. It's just, you know, about that saving that money and and being busy with this, that, and the other. Uh, But one thing I love about Amazon Prime is they throw up those free, you know, Prime movies. So we do have Amazon Prime, and we get to watch, you know, the free movies or ones that we want to drop a few bucks on. Uh, But this past year, I I downloaded uh, the movie Selma uh, about the, the... the you know, civil rights movement in those few months led by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. 
And uh, the very first scene of the movie, if you've seen it, you, you know uh, what I'm, where I'm going here. Um, if not, I would commend the movie to you just to open your eyes or reopen your eyes to, to, to the history of our country. Uh, so so what, what, what the opening scene depicts is uh, four little girls, four little black girls that are in a church, and they're walking down a stairwell, and just on like any normal day, they're having normal conversation, giggling, looking so beautiful in their Sunday dresses, right? And, and, and they're talking about hairstyles and this and that and friendship. And, and as they come down the stairs, all of a sudden, there is a boom. And these children disappear. And we realize that this scene is depicting the Birmingham church bombing that killed these four precious little girls. And now just at the outset of the movie, I think an effective job by the writers of the movie to startle the viewer, right? To grab the attention of the viewer, to pull us in. There's a story here that we need to pay attention to. And I don't know about you, but I've felt a little startled over the past month. I felt a little knocked off balance over the past month, over the past year, over the past couple of few years as we think about these matters of race and racism in our culture. And so for far too long, the church has and, and sometimes can, and I think Redemption Hill probably can be guilty of this at times, even though we try to speak, it, you know, when we're, like the Bible is so relevant, I think it just speaks to anything and everything, right? And so when we, we open God's Word, we're trying to expose its relevance for today, but sometimes I don't think we're strong enough in, in speaking to these uh, matters, these cultural matters as a church. We were actually planning to do a four-week series on relationships, all right? Um, but, but just last month, we said, hey, we're going to postpone that. We're going to do that in the new year. Um, we need to, to, to do a series that we're just calling Today, covering culturally relevant hot topics that matter, right, that matter in our culture, should absolutely matter to us because they matter to Jesus. And so the, the hope, like the whole goal of this series is that we would acquire either in a brand new way or in a deeper way the mind of Christ. How does Jesus think about race and racism? What is his view? What is his vision? How would he be responding to the events of our day? Events like Charlottesville. Probably well familiar with this story over the past month, we had neo-Nazis, KKK, other white supremacists roll into Charlottesville in an absolute shameless manner, unmasked for the world to see their faces, to say, hey, we hate people who are not like us. Wow. Their asinine acts led to the death of counter-protester Heather Heyer. Two state troopers also were killed in a plane crash as they monitored the demonstrations. Then we have protests coming out of that from UC Berkeley all the way to our own city this week at Harvard University. Counter-protesters and Harvard professors and even one member of a of the clergy, um, gathered at Harvard Square, and they chose to blockade Mass Ave in a demonstration against hate and racism, and 31 of them were actually arrested this week. This does not even account for all of the tragic deaths and cases that we have in our country. And just let me remind you this morning, okay? Trayvon Martin, Eric Gardner in New York, Michael Brown in Ferguson, Freddie Gray, Baltimore, Alton Sterling, Baton Rouge, Philandro, Castile, St. Paul, Minnesota, five officers shot in Dallas, nine African-Americans shot at the hands of a 21-year-old white supremacist named Dylan Roof. Are we just going to ignore it? 
we, we follow Jesus. So if Jesus, like, and Jesus is in us, right? So then our job is to respond as he would, to see as he would see. And let me sound a caution here. And let me, before I do that, let me ask for some grace today. But I just pray that God would give me sensitivity and, and love and humility and compassion. I don't have this all figured out. I don't live always as Jesus would. But, but the caution is this. This is not a, a black and white issue only. Okay? This is not just a black and white issue. This is an evil of humanity issue. So, so let me just, again, refresh our memories, a little world history from this past, just in the past, like 100 plus years, here we go. Genocide in Rwanda. Millions of Armenians slaughtered in Turkey. Millions of Ukrainians killed, starved to death at the hands of Joseph Stalin. Roughly 6 million Chinese, Indonesian, Korean, Filipinos, and Indo-Chinese at the hands of the Japanese just this last century. That doesn't include the Holocaust at the hands of Hitler. And so I think it's time for, for, for the, the, like the people known as Jesus people, Christians, right? Like all of us, right? We, like we have, I think we have some insight to give to the world too, right? Like if you may not identify as a Christian, but I think what you're going to hear about Jesus, you're going to like about Jesus today. But what we need to do is, like I was thinking about this this week because I got some new Bluetooth headphones for Christmas. Man, I love them. They sound great, all right? And they help me get work done, all right? It's not all about the, the music, although I love some music. And I listen to them in my leisure time, but I listen to them at work, focus in. And so what happens is when I'm working and I have my Bluetooth headphones on, right, and I have to go into the other room or upstairs, you know what happens? I lose the music. Why? Because I'm out of range, right? I'm out of range of the connection, and some of us are out of range with Jesus when it comes to these matters. And so we want to get in range with him. We want to have his heart. We want to share his vision. And I know of no better place in the Bible to catch the vision of Jesus than to go to the place where Jesus had a view of all races before him. If you want to know Jesus' view on racism, why don't you look at the place where he has the supreme view of all races, and that is here in Revelation chapter 7, starting in verse 9. So here we go, starting with the first four verses. It says this. this is a, by the way, this is, a, this is a vision God gave a man named John who was one of Jesus' closest followers, giving him a vision of what was to come, the end of history, how it's all going to turn out. Okay, so if you want to know how it's all going to unfold and who gets the victory and who has the last word, just read all 21, 2, 2, thank you. Pastors should know that. Um, chapters of Revelation, all right? So, so here we go, here we go. Uh, after this, I looked... And behold, a great multitude that no one could number from, are you ready for this? From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. The Lamb is Jesus clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, Jesus. And all the angels, they're there too. We're standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they, this is the response, right? They fell on their faces before the throne and also worship God saying, Amen. And amen is a churchy word. It's a word out of the Bible. It just means yes. It just means mm, that's true. Mm, I want to get in on that. Mm, I agree. I'll stop. Amen. Oh, I, I heard somebody. Amen. Church here. All right. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. 
Say it with me. Amen. All right, this is in the Bible. Thank you very much. I agree. Yes. So this is the vision, right? And the point, like the point of this message, so simple, all right? But let's just see if we can hear it, really hear it today, and then live differently this afternoon and tomorrow, Tuesday, and next month, and next year. All right? It's this. Cultivate an all-people posture like Jesus. So simple as that. How many words is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We try to keep them inside, right? Cultivate an all-people posture like Jesus. And we say cultivate because it takes work and it takes time. All right? And we say posture because this is an attitude, a disposition, a way of life that we should carry with us as we go, no matter where we go or when we go. And we say all people because of what we just read in verse 9. And so two encouragements today, and we're going to think about how to work it out on the daily. But the first encouragement is this. If we're going to cultivate an all-people posture like Jesus, then first we need to see like Jesus sees. We need to see all people like Jesus sees all people. And and this vision of of the end tells us of God's heart, not only just in the end, but for all of history. Okay, we're going to start back at creation in a minute. Okay, but it's like this is God's heart for all people that he is welcoming in. Not just like you can get a little glimpse of me and then you're on your own. Okay, this is like be in with me, be home with me, dwell with me, hang out with me, experience everything that I want to give you, an eternal inheritance forever. And who gets in on that, okay? It's not just American Christians as if Christianity originated in America, okay? It is every nation, all peoples and tribes and languages, every nation. All peoples and all tribes and all nations. Can we, I don't usually do this, but can we say this together? Every nation, all peoples, all tribes, and all languages. This is God's heart. God has an all people posture. Jesus has an all people posture. You say, well, okay, Tanner, help me get some handles on this. Well, again, this is how it was in the very beginning, okay? Jesus has an all-people posture because of his work in creation. If we were to go back to Genesis chapter 1, what we see is that God made all people, okay, in his image. So we are to reflect God with all of who we are. And so I want you to think about this. As Jesus is looking out of this multitude of every nation, all peoples, tribes, and languages, he is seeing one mass, one immense mass of humanity. He is seeing people that he is seeing not as thousands of races, but as one human race descended from two people. Okay? Go read Acts 17. And what are the implications of being made in the image of God? Here are a few. Uh, Number one, we're a masterpiece. God doesn't make junk, all right? So like if God made us and he made us in his image, then as Psalm 139 says, we're fearfully and wonderfully made, okay? We, we We are God's masterpiece. Number two, we have then equal dignity and worth. Hear that. Equal. Dignity and equal worth before God as individuals and collectively, but also if that's true, then surely this is true. Equal dignity, equal worth before not just God, but before one another. If we see as, as Jesus sees, um, then number three is image bearers, God is primarily interested in our heart, in our soul, not just the color of our skin. First Samuel 16, 7 says, for, for the Lord, he doesn't look at, at people like you look at them. Uh, you look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. That's what God's most interested in. And then number four, in the very beginning, God made every person for a completely harmonious and peaceful relationship with him and with one another. 
as his image bearers. Like, so God is a triune God. Okay, Father, Son, Spirit. Okay, I know that blew your mind right there, but, but that's who God is. And God has always existed in a relationship, but not just relationship, eternally loving relationship. The Father always loving the Son. The Son always loving the Father. The Father always loving the Spirit. Jesus always loving, the uh, Son of God always loving the Spirit of God, all right? And then the Son of God showed up in the form of a baby, and now we know that Son of God is Jesus Christ. And so as this triune God who dwells in community, he made us to dwell in community, and he made us to love one another. And the reason we don't love one another is because we reject God's design for how he made us, and we choose our own wisdom, and at the end of the day, we, wanna, we want his job. You ever wanted someone's job? Yes, you have. You've wanted God's job, right? This is what the Bible says. I'm not trying to step on toes. I'm just saying what the Bible says. So, so, like, so the Bible says we want his job. And so if we are willing to kind of elevate ourselves above God, it shouldn't surprise us that we want to elevate ourselves above one another. And so rather than loving one another, rather than experiencing harmony with one another, we hate one another, we judge one another, we step on one another's toes, we oppress one another so that we can be elevated. And so in light of this vision of the image of God, I would say to demean, tear down, slander, harm, oppress, persecute, abuse, or hate any other person because of the color of their skin, which in its form, to one degree or completely to that nth degree, that is racism. To do, to do that, to, to demean, tear down, slander, harm, oppress, persecute, abuse, or hate another person is, listen, is to step into the museum of God and to spit on his masterpiece. Equal dignity, equal worth. That's why we denounce. I'm just going to do it for us as one of the pastors here. We denounce, as a church, as Redemption Hill Church, we denounce neo-Nazis, we denounce the KKK, we denounce white supremacists, and we denounce every hate group under the sun because these people aren't living according to God's design. Thank you. But we also denounce any hate that rises up in our own hearts. Revelation 7, this, this picture, okay, I wanted you to see, like, Jesus seeing all people, one humanity, one race. So he sees the unity of all people, but Jesus also sees the diversity of all people, right? He sees the diversity. He sees every nation. He sees all people's tribes and languages. Every dialect under the sun going to be there before Jesus because, why? Because of his work in redemption. That Jesus reconciles people who wouldn't ordinarily like one another. And he makes these diverse and opposed sometimes people, people that are hostile to one another. He makes them family and he makes them one because of what he did in his life. Death on a cross, crucified, and then risen work for the salvation of all people. That's what's going on here. That's what they're saying salvation belongs to our God and to the lamb, Jesus. And, and the, that figure of a lamb is like a sacrificial lamb. This is how it worked out in the Old Testament. When people wanted to worship God, okay? They would go and they would sacrifice lambs in order to show their, their sorrow for their sin, to receive what is called atonement or a covering over of their sin, all right? Uh, so that their sin could be uh, dealt with. And in the Old Testament, it was temporarily always pointing to the greatest sacrifice, the true and greater sacrifice. Go back and listen to the sermon series uh, that we preached in the summer. Thank you, Pastor John Chastain, on that, Psalm 22. Um, that that sacrifice was for us to be reconciled first back to God, but then also remember Genesis 3. Now we have this, this harmony and this, this animosity and this hostility and this hate to one another. Now Jesus tears all that down and he brings us back together too. And so this is what Paul, this follower of Jesus, amazing like, theologian and missionary in the early church, 
Uh, this is what he's talking about in Ephesians 2. Listen to this. Be, be astounded. For he, Jesus, he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh. All right? A picture of Jesus on the cross, his flesh torn for us. He's broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility that you aren't ready for this, that he might create one man in place of the two. Like, I'm just going to pause. Carlos, this guy's from Puerto Rico. Steve, he's from Nigeria. Caleb's from, his family's from China. Guess what? We don't look like one another. We don't have the same backgrounds. We don't have the same life experiences. But we're one now. We're, we're like, we're in step. We're united. I mean, at one level, this is amazing. All right. At one level, if you have Christ in common, you have all things in common. One man in place of the two. Amazing. That God might reconcile us both to God in one body. That's the church. Through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. No dividing wall. Hostility killed. So much so that now there is one new man. So our identity, listen, people, is not in social status. It's not in race. Okay. It's not in the number of college students. Please, you know, work hard, graduate. It's not, our identity is not in the grades you make, your GPA, or the degrees hanging on your wall, the job you have, the money in your bank account. I can keep going. Our identity now in Christ is in Christ. That's why I'm going to go ahead and say it, all right? And it's like in my notes, and not that I was scared to say it, but I just didn't know if I'd have time, but I'm going to go ahead and say it, all right? Like, it is perfectly fine with me if Parker, Kesset, or Jordan, three daughters of ours, marries someone from an Asian background, from an African background, or from a South Latin or Central American background. As long as they love Jesus, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's the, that's the point, all right? Identity in Christ. Um, so, so, you know, hey, 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 that might not be a big statement. I don't know if that's a big statement to you. It may not be a big statement in Boston, but I can tell you in a lot of places in our country, country that's a big statement. And so I wanted to state it. All right. So, 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 so praise God. I'm, I'm thankful you're clapping. <laughs> it would be, I mean, it'd be bad to like get run off the stage or something. But, but, I, and I knew you would. I knew you would. But, 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 but here's, let's, let's like bring it back. Okay, here's some questions to consider. Do you see people like Jesus sees them? Do you have an all people posture? Do you see people as completely equal in dignity and in worth. People that deserve to have as much bread on the table as your family has. Do you strive to treat all people the same, no matter where you are, no matter where you go? Do you allow the hints of prejudice and invalid assumptions to influence the level of your love? Let's see all people as Jesus sees them. But, listen, we're not there yet, right? Like, we're not to this vision. We're not in Revelation 7. The end has not yet come. And so what we have to do today is endure opposition through a greater hope. Endure opposition through a greater hope. And and just read with me these next next, um, four or five verses. Here Here we go. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these? Clothed in white robes. And where from, where where have they come from? John says to him, Sir, you know. It's like a setup question, you know. John says, Sir, you know. And the elder says, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Wow, if, if, you, if you follow Jesus, this is your future. 
Verse 16, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb, Jesus, in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. All right, so a little, little, little Bible lesson, okay? Um, when we go to Revelation, most of the time we go, this is just like Christian subculture, all right? We go and we try to look into all of the symbolism in Revelation and we try to figure out every little detail and we try to figure out if some like, and I take a very, uh, a very loose, like very symbolic, not very literal, don't pound all the details, trying to figure out, you know, 2019. That's just my take on Revelation, okay? And my take on Revelation is that way, not just because of, you know, exegesis and how we should, I think, read it, but also because, check this out, Revelation was written to real people in the first century going through real persecution. It's not just like God gave it to everyone so we would have it in 2017. No, this was for real people going through real opposition. So this this letter, okay, this is actually a massive letter to different churches, seven churches addressed in these early chapters um, that are going through a world of trouble. Like, it it wasn't an easy thing to be a Christian, okay? Have you ever heard of the Emperor Nero? He he burned Christians at the stake. Just, Just light them up like torches to light the streets. I'm not, that's not hyperbole, it's not overstatement, that's reality, historical fact. And so these, these people were facing it. In the words of N.T. Wright, they were living a nightmare. But they can live a nightmare with a better dream and a better ultimate vision of reality where Jesus wins. They have the victory because Jesus has the victory and they can forever experience abundant and exuberant joy because they will in the end dwell with Jesus no matter if they are taken out in this life or not. Wow. That's revelation. And so just a couple of encouragements here. Um, Endure trouble today. Endure it. Jesus was very kind to let us know. John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, look, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Jesus experienced a lot of trouble. Remember, he was crucified by people who didn't like him, people who were threatened by his presence. People who were, let me say that again, because some of you didn't catch that. People who were threatened by his presence. Foreigners, immigrants, Muslims, women. Sometimes. And so I would just ask the question, how do we, how do we endure? And just a couple of proposals, very simple, I think very, very biblical. Number one, let's endure through prayer. That's what we talked about last week. We want to be a praying church. We don't just want to like lip service on that. We really want to be a praying church. And I was thinking about like the civil rights movements of, of the 50s and the 60s into the 70s, even to today, right? Uh, driven by prayer in most respects. So, so Coretta Scott King, Martin Luther King Jr.'s wife, w- would say this, okay? Prayer was a wellspring of strength and inspiration during the civil rights movement. For my husband, Martin Luther King Jr., prayer, listen to this, was a daily source of courage and strength that gave him the ability to carry on even in the darkest hours of our struggle. If you're going through it, if you're fearful of what's to come, if you're misunderstood, like, can I encourage you to go to God in prayer? And don't go alone, you know, like, don't, like, go, go alone, you hear me, like, go alone, go as much as you want, go, but, but also go with other people. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that today. So, but not just endure opposition through prayer, but endure opposition by understanding that we have a God who understands us. 
This is the beauty of Christianity. Like, even if you're not a Christian today, like, even if you say, like, I don't know much about Jesus. I'm learning more about Jesus. There's some things I like about Jesus. Maybe not other things that hold, like, you know, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That's pretty extreme, okay? So, like, you're still kind of checking it out, which is wonderful. We're glad you're here. Um, but, 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 but for those of us who, like, this is what we love about Jesus. This is what we hope you love about Jesus, that Jesus was the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, who stepped into foreign territory when he was born in a manger in Bethlehem, a little tiny town outside of Jerusalem. Think about that. If, you, like, if, if for all eternity heaven was your home and you stepped into flesh and weakness and sleepy you know, days and hunger, like, wow, God becoming man, Jesus understands He understands you. In Jesus, are you not ready for this? In Jesus, we have a God who was a refugee. Go read Matthew chapter 2, okay? When Jesus showed up, there was a king who had been tipped off by these wise men or magi. Okay, it's a Christmas story, right? And they say, look, hey, we want to come see the king. Talking about Jesus. And so the current king, Herod, said, if there's another king being born, then I'm going to kill all babies under the age of two, which meant Jesus... And his parents, Mary and Joseph, got out of there to Egypt, being warned in a dream. Jesus was a refugee. In Jesus, we have a God, I love this, who broke barriers. Just go read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay? Four stories of the life and work of Christ, okay? Jesus was a God who broke barriers, who elevated women, who made the heroes of some of his most important stories, a.k.a. the Good Samaritan. Have you ever heard of it? Like Jesus' definition of how to love your neighbor as yourself. He makes a, the hero of that story a foreigner. People that his own people would look down upon. Like when Jesus told that story, you have to understand, he was offending so many people who shared his blood. In Jesus, we have a God who was not simply oppressed or suffered injustice, but a God who was unjustly crucified and killed. Jesus understands your suffering. Jesus understands what it's like to be misunderstood. And so perhaps your immigration status isn't what you want it to be. Perhaps you are new to America and you like get comments like, when are you going to learn to speak the language? Shame on us. Like, instead of saying that, can we help them learn the language so that they can live a life? Thank you. Perhaps you or someone you love is affected by this new order from our president to rescind DACA. Now, I have to admit, I had to learn about this this week. I had to, what's 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 all, all this about? And by the way, I meant to say this at the beginning. My, my purpose today is not to be political. Because guess what? Jesus would not wear a red or a blue tie, okay? Jesus does not fit into our boxes, all right? Jesus would be sure to tell us that there are things that are wrong in both parties. Let's not be deceived here. So I don't want to be political, but I do want to be pastoral. And I just want to try to help us think about these things. So, with DACA, we're, we're talking about the children of, yes, illegal immigrants. They, they, they didn't come into the country or stay into the country legally. Okay, so that is an issue that, that we need to think through. We need to, we need to discuss. But, these are, and that's a huge issue, right? Like, this is just a huge issue. And, and you, can't, you can't talk about it in one minute or one week. But, but, but in, with DACA, okay? We're talking about the children of illegal immigrants who came here under the authority of their parents. Some, are you ready for this? Some who did not find out that they're not citizens of this country until they enrolled in a college. Hmm. We're talking about 800,000 dreamers who you wouldn't know they weren't Americans. You wouldn't know they aren't just like you, except for maybe the color of their skin, if, 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 if you're white like me, you know, and not just, you know. 
They speak our language. They attend our public schools. They embrace American values in our way of life. They go to college. They work hard. They pay taxes with no hope of even getting Social Security in the current reality unless they gain citizenship. And we may be talking about families. We probably are talking about families in most, most cases who either fled persecution or hardship to survive and or provide for their families. And so listen, like, could we just stop and consider the human element of the story? Would that be fair? Do you think Jesus might do that? Do you think, like, Could we consider that before we jump to political conclusions? I'm not saying, I'm not asking anybody to change their, you know, if you, whatever. But could we consider? And could we consider if we might not have done the same thing? Expect trouble. Endure trouble by, by prayer, by looking to the God who understands, and then hoping in a, in a perfect tomorrow. You see, like 15, 16, and 17, we have a God who is our protector forever. He'll shelter us. He'll pitch his tent over us with his presence. He'll provide forever, no more hunger or thirst. He'll, he's our perfect friend, like forever. I mean, think about this picture, how intimate it is. That there is a God who understands all of our suffering, who suffered too. And one day, if you are in Christ, okay, he is going to wipe every tear away from your face. It's not like he's going to make sure that it happens and send someone else to do the job, okay? God, it says God will wipe away every, it's that intimate, it's that close. So if you're enduring opposition, if you're enduring trouble today, just know that there is a perfect tomorrow on the horizon. That God cares for you, that he understands that there's a better day coming. And so real quick, and I should speed up for the sake of pace and time, all right? Gets me every time. Um, Not every time, don't worry. If you're new, last week and this week, just you know what's up, all right? But... Big, big issues, big topics. Um, but but here, here's the question, okay? Stephen Bauman wrote a book called Seeking Refuge, okay? On the shores of the global refugee crisis. And this is what he says, okay? Um, he says, we ask God why he allows such horrific injustice and suffering. You ever ask God that? Probably not a human being if you don't. Um, and in response, we might hear the still, small voice of God asking his church, how will you respond? And so I just want to attempt to give us four ways to respond. Four ways to respond. Four ways to increase an all-people posture. All right? All-people posture. All right? Number one, let's eradicate any hint of racism and hypocrisy in our lives. All right? So let me just run through. It's easy to say, if you didn't come here legally, then get out of here. It's easy to denounce neo-Nazis and not deal with the hints of prejudice in our own hearts. It's easy to dismiss the idea of white privilege if you're white. Like me. It's easy to forget that no American treads these grounds who does not have foreign blood flowing through our veins unless you're a Native American. Let's not be, let, let's think through the issues. Let's love and, like, but let's not be hypocrites. And then there's a bigger, there's a bigger issue here. There's a much bigger issue here for us, for, for those of us who follow Jesus, okay? That, that whole chapter in Ephesians 2 that we looked at that was on the screen, okay? It, it says that we were once strangers, We were once alienated. We were once outcast. We were marginalized. We were pushed out. We had nothing to do with the promises of God until God brought us in through Jesus. And in fact, because now we have a new citizenship and a new kingdom, we are now aliens and strangers journeying to a better home. And this is in Revelation. So let's have a little bit of love for the stranger. 
Let's have a little bit of love for people who are not like us, who talk like us, who pursue diverse friendships, okay? We need to, in the words of, um, what was this, Brian Stevenson, CEO of Equal Justice Initiative. I heard him at a leadership conference just a couple of weeks ago. I love what he says. He says, we need to get proximate. African-American lawyer in, in the South, okay? We need to get proximate. In other words, we need to spend time together. We need to share meals. We need to build new friendships, We need to get together, and not just like once or twice, but we need to do life together. We need to have important, meaningful conversations. We need to try to set aside our biases and our assumptions, and we just need to listen to one another with the the most compassion and humility and sympathy and empathy that we can muster up by God's grace. I think like Jesus might have when he was hanging out, dining, sitting down with tax collectors, prostitutes, and quote-unquote sinners which is every single human being on the planet, all right? So, so k- k- let's, let's pursue diverse relationships. Let's, let's understand that we filter things through our own lens, and we need to have those corrected, okay? Like a dad of three daughters who went to Disney World, and they had a blast. And then I talked to a friend yesterday who said, you know, Disney World is not really as great for boys because, you know, uh, princes don't sign autographs and take pictures with your boys, all right? Just, you know, lens. You hear me? Lens. Yeah, I wanted to lighten the moment. It's true, though. All right, so uh, eradicate any kind of racism and hypocrisy. Pursue diverse relationships. Listen, serve the stranger. Biblical hospitality is not just hanging out and putting some food on the table, okay? Biblical hospitality is welcoming in people who were not in your circle. So there are many ways to do this. It may be teaching an ESL class. It may be providing legal help. It may be uh, meeting physical needs, okay? When we take up Thanksgiving uh, meals as a church and we give them away to 100 families, many of those families, in fact, probably most of those families are families who have moved here from other parts of the world. And we love that. We absolutely love it. And then finally, let's, let's let our love cause our diversity to grow, okay? And I just want to say this because this, this message is heavy, right? Like, this is a lot of heavy stuff, a lot to think about this week. But listen, I love our church, all right? I absolutely love our church because we have always prayed. This is just a little backstory on Redemption Hill, okay? When we came here in 2010, we said one of the reasons we want to come to Boston and start a new church is because People from all over the world have moved here to work and to study and to play and to live life and to seek a better life. And so we have just said, hey, we're going to pray, God, would you make our church look around a thumbprint of our community? And by God's grace, that has happened. So this is what I want you to do, just to think I'm not lying, okay, unless your vision's a little blurry today. All right, I'm going to help you see people better. If you have a heritage. Maybe you were foreign born, maybe you are foreign born, or maybe your parents, one or both of your parents, you would maybe identify with being American, but also being another, another nationality. I want you to stand up. If you just have the boldness, just for a minute, the courage to stand up. Okay, now, wow. Look, look around the room. Look around the room. Somebody take a picture. I don't have my phone on me, all right? So just listen, all right? And how about this? This, is, this will be cool. All right, this will be cool. If I, if, I say, if I say your nation, you can have a seat. If I don't say your nation, I apologize, and we can hook up after the service. All right, so, all right, but I, this is what I know. I took a little inventory this week, all right? So uh, Africa, roll call, Rwanda, Nigeria, Zimbabwe, Angola, Tanzania, Ghana, Kenya, Egypt. I love it. Asia, all right, Asia, Vietnam, South Korea, China, Malaysia, India, Nepal, Philippines, Cambodia. Central, Latin, South America, here we go, Puerto Rico, Colombia, Guatemala, St. Kitts. You didn't know we had somebody from St. You didn't even know St. Kitts. Hey, we love the Browns, love, love you. All right, Haiti, Cuba, Nicaragua, Brazil, Peru. Ecuador, El Salvador, Dominican Republic, Trinidad and Tobago, Jamaica, and come on now, Canada. Thank you very much, Canada. Let's give it up for Canada too. Amazing. And then we got, we got Europe, you know, France, England, Germany, Italy, Greece, Ireland, Spain, Holland. Where are you from, bro? That's what I'm talking about, Eastern Europe, Lithuania in the house. Hey, 
listen, how, how amazing. Where else are you going to find a crowd like this except for some kind of like a school or a rally or this? Like, this, is what, this is what Jesus does. Because Jesus has an all-people posture. He calls us to have an all-people posture, to see like he sees, to love like he loves, to serve like he serves. And so listen, I'm so convinced. Dan and the team are going to come out, and we're going to sing a song together. And, and, and I hope what will happen in these moments is that you'll feel the freedom. Like if you want prayer for any reason, in just a minute, I'm going to ask a few of our leaders, or if you just feel led to pray with someone, like maybe Henry or Julie or whoever, and you just want to pray for, for some people, Henry, um, Randy, it doesn't matter who wants to pray, but if you'll just come forward in front of the stage and just, maybe you're hurt, maybe you're fearful, maybe you've blown it, maybe you have hints of prejudice in your heart, and you don't want to, like, no one's going to know why you're coming, but you just want to share that with somebody. Let's be a church that thinks like Jesus and lives like Jesus. And when we do, these two things are, are going to happen, right? When we, when we get all this straightened out, increasingly so, all right, we're going to represent Jesus in, in a way that is beautiful, not just to one another, but to people who don't understand what Jesus is all about. And then number two, what's going to happen is nothing is going to be able to stop this movement of Jesus' people who have an all-people posture because I want to tell you, like, this is attractive, People are going to want to get in on this. This is why we meet the Chevalier Theater, right? Like, there's plenty of room to grow. And this is our prayer, right? Is that we grow as a church and dozens more people come in month after month. The goal is that the thumbprint remains and it only grows stronger. Ethnically, nationality, socioeconomically, generationally, educationally. We want to be a diverse church that mirrors the kingdom of heaven in our groups, in our teams, in our leadership. Listen, we have three, I'm just going to be straight up. We have three white pastors. Why are you laughing? <laughs> That's not our vision. That's just our current reality. That's not our vision. So pray about that. Pray about that. Dan, if you guys have start to play. I'm going to pray, and then these leaders are going to come forward. I don't even know who they are, but they're going to come on down. It's going to be awesome. And if you need prayer for any reason, hurting today, just need some hope today, just need to, to share something on your heart today, we want you to have some space to do that. I'm going to make my way down here too. Pray with you. Turn my mic off, and I'm going to pray with you. God, thank you for today. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for how amazing he is. Thank you for the gospel, how he brings people together that would never otherwise be together. And God, we want to think like he thinks. We want to see like he sees. And we want to love like he loves. So God, help us to do that as a church, increasingly so, until it's all said and done. Through Jesus we pray.